G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. If you listen to the commentary from political leaders, including the Attorney General, George Brandis, you may be led to believe that the only question that matters in the marriage debate is whether or not same-sex couples are allowed to marry. Well, for the first time, mainstream media has been forced to ask the question of what the consequences of changing the marriage laws might look like. And politicians and, yes, case spokespeople have all been pretending that they know nothing of what consequences have emerged in other countries where same-sex marriage is now the law. You'll remember that New Zealand changed its laws to allow same-sex marriage. So let's get some insights into what the New Zealand story is since those changes. Bob McCoskery is the National Director of the Christian Advocacy Organisation in New Zealand called Family First. Hello, Bob. Welcome back to 2020. Hi, Neil. Good to be with you. Bob, they tell us in Australia not to worry about religious freedom because that's not at risk. What can you tell us about the experience that you've seen in New Zealand since the marriage laws changed there? Well, that's not the case at all. In fact, um, probably the perfect example at the moment that's going on is marriage celebrants who are applying to be independent marriage celebrants. Uh, For example, uh, a retired Baptist pastor who doesn't qualify by being a pastor of the denomination but wants to, well, has been called on to perform marriages. Uh, And so he applied just to be a marriage celebrant to um, people who wanted him to marry them. And he was asked, would you um, marry a same-sex couple? He said, well, no, based on my personal convictions, I wouldn't. Um, Obviously, previously as a Baptist pastor. And as a result, he was rejected. Now, We've actually done official information act requests on this issue and found that just in the last year, 22 potential marriage celebrants have had their applications declined because of that. And of course, this um, flies directly in the face of assurances made by the select committee and the uh, Labour MP who introduced the bill to Parliament in 2013 that you know it wouldn't require any person to carry out a, a marriage if it doesn't fit with the beliefs of the celebrant. Ironically, Neil, at the same time as this was happening, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster was given the right to perform marriage (laughs) ceremonies. And, of course, they believe in airborne spaghetti and meatballs-based being. Um, So it it sort of all puts it into disrepute. The other real concern, Neil, is that if a denomination, a mainline denomination, for example, uh, changes their policy to allow same-sex marriage, um, then the minister's who don't want to marry same-sex couples may not have legal protection because the legal protection is not based on the belief of the minister. It's based on the belief of the denomination. Uh, So that's actually quite a concern, and that hasn't been tested yet because most of the mainline denominations are holding their ground at this stage, but watch this space. 
So if you are a minister of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, uh, you'll be fine. But if you are a member of a Christian denomination, as fun as this might sound, uh, you will be belittled and you will be denied access to uh, some of those important arrangements when it comes to issues to do with marriage. Well, you'll be turned down if you're an independent uh, Christian who wants to be a marriage celebrant. And uh, the warning is that you could be at risk if you belong to a denomination who changes their policy to allow same-sex marriage. Okay. Is there what you might call a creeping agenda that happens when the marriage law changes, that these things creep up on you, and before you know it, there's all sorts of strange things you would never have anticipated at the beginning? Well, I think uh, we always warn that if you say that it's about consenting adults who love each other and why should they be restricted, then um, you open the door to argue for uh, polygamy and polyamory. Now, when we argued that in 2013, of course, that was poo-hooed and said, no, that's just scaremongering. But um, the fact of the matter is, um, in two years ago, it was actually revealed that Auckland, the city of Auckland, the ratepayers were subsidising an event promoting polyamory. Um, and the media have also featured articles sort of I, I would say normalising and promoting uh, group marriage, you know, that it's actually quite cool and it's the, it's the next best thing. And there was uh, an issue that came to light earlier this year where there was a serious domestic violence case involving a polygamous couple where it seemed to expose the fact that the government may be turning a blind eye to polygamist arrangements. Um, and so there was a bit of furor just around that particular issue. Of course, the argument for allowing polygamy is, and this was talked about um, by a former Minister of Social Development in 2008, who talked about uh, catering for, for diversity, and also the Ministry of Women's Affairs was talking about the fact that for immigration, only the male and one wife from a polygamous family can immigrate to New Zealand, but there is an increasing recognition uh, to avoid enshrining in legislation concepts of family which are exclusive. In other words, we need to allow for uh, immigrants who are in polygamous relationships and bring, bring them all in. So, look, that is certainly part of the creep that we're concerned about. And it's not just the way that people arrange their relationships, as you say, polygamy and polyamory, the idea that there might be multiple partners all in the one wedding and therefore the one marriage. But the idea that there are Christian charities that are facing all sorts of things that you wouldn't anticipate uh, early on in the debate, uh, even your own charity, uh, Family First, uh, you've been affected by this whole uh, issue too with uh, with how, how you conduct yourself. Yes, well, we, uh, unfortunately, you, you are, um, you've come right to the source of uh, one of the biggest issues going on at the moment. And that, that Back in 2013, we presented a 50,000-strong petition to Parliament opposing same-sex marriage. And on that day, a one, one complaint was made to the Charities Board saying they didn't like us. We were then investigated and the Charities Board, which oversees charitable organisations, uh, tried to deregister us. Uh, and there, actually, we, we won our appeal in 2015, but they've just notified us that they're going to have a second go at us. And 
uh, it's because they believe that our views about natural marriage and the traditional family, quote, cannot be determined to be for the public benefit in a way previously accepted as charitable, end quote. So, you know, to us it appears that certain views of marriage and family are now deemed out of bounds by the state. And effectively they think that because we believe in natural marriage and the traditional family, that we should not receive charitable status. So our views are unacceptable. So, that, you know, that's going to have a chilling effect. If, if the Charities Board is successful in deregistering us, and we'll fight it the whole way, if they're successful, though, it'll have a chilling effect on other groups and churches who may hold similar views to us. Um, and so that's why, yeah, I, I will certainly be fighting this right to the top court in New Zealand. So you are, in fact, the test case. And if we you lose... If you lose, then every Christian charity will have their charitable status at risk if they don't bend to the arrangements or the uh, the gender issues that go along with uh, same-sex marriage in a nation. Let me ask you about what's happening in schools, Bob. This is another issue that's come to light, uh, the idea that Schools wouldn't be affected. What are the things that are happening in schools in New Zealand? Well, let me just sum it up with this statement. Girls can wear skirts. Boys can use girls' toilets. That, in effect, is what's happening. The um, Secondary Teachers Union, the Post-Primary Teachers Association, are urging schools to offer gender-neutral uniforms. Um, And they have said, and I quote... Uh, that both boys and girls should be able to choose from a range of shorts, trousers, skirts of different lengths, etc. And, quote, it is important that access to specific uniform items is not limited on the basis of biological sex or perceived gender identity, end quote. So, you know, I saw that there was a bit of a furor in Australia over an advertisement that said that, uh, you know, um, boys were offered the chance to wear skirts. Um, The fact of the matter is, already happening in New Zealand, um, that's actually not news. And, you know, boys boys can wear skirts and boys can use girls' toilets. Um, and in effect, it's basically saying that it's based on the identity of the student and they can use the uniform, they can use the toilet, they can use the changing room, they can use the camp cabin when they go on camp. Uh, they can even be in the sports team of their choosing. And so we've actually uh, uh, launched a website called askmefirst.nz, which highlights a number of situations in New Zealand schools that have already happened, uh, including an interview with a female from a New Zealand girls-only school that has enrolled a biological male as a student and allowed him access to any toilet in the school, um, which many of the girls were not happy with, but weren't allowed to have their views heard. And is that just the state schools, the public schools, or is this happening also, uh, and is there an effect on church schools? Well, we're just monitoring that, actually. Um, To be honest, it sort of happens quite quietly. I was just alerted to a primary school in Auckland in a fairly um, upper-class area, uh, where they have just sent out a notice saying basically there's no requirement that boys wear the boys' uniform and girls wear the girls' uniform. We're not going to sort of restrict the young kids in, in their choice of uniform. So, um, 
you know, a lot of schools are under huge pressure on this and are being watched as to how they handle the situation. And I think they're sort of taking a path of least, least resistance, even though we have um, sent legal opinions to the schools saying that they can um, have restrictions because it's about safety of the whole school population. Although, um, just speaking about integrated schools and Catholic schools, one of the issues that happened during the debate was a Catholic school was misrepresented by the media. They put out a um, newsletter uh, where the principal simply wrote that he opposed the bill to redefine marriage. The media uh, got on top of this, and um, they were actually found by... One of, the, one of the key culprits was the state broadcaster, TVNZ, and the, they were found to be unfair and inaccurate in its coverage of the issue by the Broadcasting Standards Authority... They, um, you know, they basically misrepresented what was happening and they didn't give the principal the chance to rebut the claim. But one of the most disturbing things in all of this at the time, Neil, was that the Labour MP who introduced the bill to redefine marriage um, made some disturbing comments regarding integrated schools who receive government funding. So these are some of these church-based schools that are sort of part public, part private. And and said, and I quote, I don't think in these days of integrated schools, and given this school does receive some form of state funding, that advocating against equality and non-discrimination and supporting discriminatory laws is what schools and a principal should be promoting, end of quote. Now, if that's not a veiled threat, I don't know what is. And um, I think many schools, uh, yeah, that will have... Um, that will have uh, made them quite concerned. Mm. Uh, just quickly, as a question that's so important, uh, Bob, how have churches adjusted to these changes and the, as we've been saying, the creeping changes that begin to affect every area of society? What about the churches? How do they adjust? Well, I think they're, they're probably monitoring our case, uh, Family First deregistration case, pretty closely because if we are deregistered for speaking up on what we believe about marriage, then uh, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that churches are next in line. Um, the other issue has been around the whole use of venues, because as you know, many church buildings are used by the public. And um, unfortunately, the politicians didn't give protection to churches or mosques or synagogues or other faith-based organisations to be able to say no, we don't, we won't host a same-sex marriage if it goes against their belief and conscience. Um, the polls actually showed that overwhelming majority of New Zealanders thought that they should be protected, but as a result, a number of churches no longer make their venue available to the general public because of the risk of litigation. Um, you know, and that's a, that's a sad consequence that they are concerned about that result, even though they're simply acting out on well known, their well-known belief. Um, and there's been a couple of um, function centres as well that basically didn't allow same-sex uh, weddings on their venue, but uh, either have had complaints made to the Human Rights Commission and so have quickly changed their policy or are aware of that litigation. Um, we haven't had the bakers, the photographers and the florists just yet, or not that I'm aware of, although I am checking on this. Um, however, we do know service providers who will refuse a request during the, due to their personal convictions and will therefore be at risk 
of litigation because there is actually no protection for thinking that. So, yeah, watch this space. I mean, our, our law is relatively recent as well. It, you know, it's only been the end of 2013, so it's uh, just, just on four years. These things are not hidden from view and our politicians in Australia perhaps are pleading ignorance uh, with the thought that they don't want to rock the boat if they support the yes case in Australia. And as we've been hearing, there are significant changes, significant developments, significant issues with the creeping of the gender-neutral agenda. Bob McCoskery is the National Director for the Christian Advocacy Organisation in New Zealand called Family First. Bob, thanks so much for sharing your heart and your understanding with us today on 2020. Good to be with you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.